Hello and welcome to Grace Lifestyle Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Think about that. What's the most important work you can do? It's easy, but it's difficult, isn't it? <laughs> it's easy because Jesus said, do it. So we don't need to pray about it. We don't need to redefine it. We don't need to try and understand it. We don't need to get a revelation on it. We just need to do it. And that's probably the problem. Amen? It's so easy, we don't want to do it. Or it's so easy. It's not easy, is it? It's simple. But it's difficult. And the only reason why it's difficult is because of us. The only reason why it's difficult is because what will people think of me? What if they don't like me? What if they spit in my face? What if they don't want the gospel? Well, what if they do? I remember Natasha and I ministering on the streets of Stellenbosch. And um, she spoke to a German guy. And he had like zero time for her. Like zero. Like he was not interested. He was on holiday. He was not interested. That shouldn't stop you. Even though it does momentarily, you're like, sure, okay. I didn't think I'll get that backlash in the streets of Stellenbosch. But the next person you minister to might be just the one who received. Amen. When I'm thinking about what we're busy with in a new series that Shane started last week on what is important. What is important? And it's such a, such a fundamental question that we need to ask. That we need to ask in so many areas of our lives. If you're a student, this is a very important question for you. When you have all this work and you have a test coming up, like you ask yourself, don't you, what is important? What do I think the lecturer thinks is important? And then you try and, and, uh, and optimize your time because what is really important? You see, we ask this question all the time. If you are pressed for time, like, are you going to blow your hair or are you going to buy coffee? What is important? Like, it goes really far in many areas. When you look at your budget, what is important to you? When you look at your diary your calendar, your year plan, whatever you, you use, I hope you use something. If you want to know what is important to you, just look at, not your budget, look at your bank statement. Because that's what you actually deem important. Look at your calendar, because that's what you're spending your time on. And then we need to ask ourselves, are we spending or are we investing? What is important? Are we spending our time or are we investing our time? Natasha and I spoke to friends of ours, and um, they've got three little kids. Praise Jesus for those people. Two is a handful. And they went on holiday, and we said, well, it was probably not a holiday as, it, as you think. And I, I said, and she said, no, it's more of an investment. I'm like, yes. <laughs> you build ties, you make memories, but you come back tired. It's an investment. Next Saturday, next Friday is going to be an investment. We're going to be tired on Sunday morning, and you know what? We're going to be more tired on Sunday afternoon. But it's going to be worth it. Because what is important? It is important that we preach the gospel. It's important that we meet up. It's important that we stir each other up unto good works, the Word says. You know what's important? Kids are important. Ask Jesus. The disciples think they weren't. They said, well, don't waste his time. He said, they are important. So that's why we have them in the service. That's why we dedicate probably the only closed room we have towards kids' church, so that they can be ministered to. 
That's why we pray for them. That's why we want to bring in more songs in worship for kids. Because to Jesus, they are important. You think giving is important? Ask Mary of Bethany if giving is important. She anointed the feet of Jesus with the most costly perfume she could find. You know who didn't think that was important? Judas. Giving is important. Because giving is part of who we are. For God so loved the world that He gave. Now we are one with Him, one with His love. And a manifestation thereof is giving. And giving really is, if you think about it, it is, it is, it is taking what I have, maybe what I need, maybe what I want, but I'm giving it. I was thinking about it this week as well. Like You're not taking care of children because you're not taking anything. You're actually giving care. Like If we look after the elderly... We, um, we're privileged to see my gran, who's uh, 89. She needs to be taken care of. But you know what? You're not getting anything in return. So you're actually giving. You're giving time. You're giving of yourself. You're giving um, maybe some time in front of the television. You're giving some of your budget. You're giving so that she can be taken care of. My parents are giving to help her. What are you giving? Are you giving to church? Are you giving to missions? Are you giving of yourself? Every Sunday we say, come join the dream team. <laughs> Not because uh, we just need people. No, because we want to connect with you. We want to, to, to bond with you. We want to spend time with you. So, we're asking these questions, and I believe it's really profound questions. What is important? And um, if we think about church, we need to ask that as well. And I think Shane dealt with a bit of that last week, so... Um, I'm wanting to, to pivot a little bit into living light. So that's really the, the subtitle of my message this morning is living light. And what it means is it means to not carry heavy burdens. And I love Leon's word when he opened the service about rolling up or, or rolling over the, the troubles unto God. And you really have this picture in the Amplified of these heavy rocks that you can't carry, so you need to roll them. Like, they're so heavy that you can't carry them. You, you need to just roll them away. Roll them out of the way. Roll them to, towards God. And that's really what He wants for us. Because if we live light, we move fast. If we live light, we move. Amen? Sometimes we're so, so burdened that we don't go anywhere. That we can't think. That we, that we don't have to give because we've got so much. I'm reading a book and... One of the quotes really struck me. It says, it's difficult to be content with a little. Anyone agree with me? It's difficult to be content with a little. It is impossible to be content with a lot. I mean, that's, that's not scripture, but that's pretty profound. Amen. <laughs> the more things, the more troubles. Amen. The more things you have, the more things you need to take care of. If you have two cars, you need to maintain two cars. If you ask Benro and Aline, you need parking for two cars. <laughs> it's important if you need a car, but what car do you really need? What is important? What the neighbors think or that you get to work on time? You see, we need to redefine really what is important because if we look at the first church, they lived light. They, they shared everything. And people want to say, like, yeah, no, we need to be like the church of Acts. I'm like, are you sure? Are you in? <laughs> huh? I'll bring the estate agent. 
you bring your, your title deed. Amen? We can be the Church of Acts. Let's do it. I mean, that's how far it goes, really. Because it was all about mission. It was all about gathering. I was thinking about it this morning as well. I was like, what is important? It is important for us to meet together. Definitely. Is it important that it's comfortable? In business, we speak about nice to have and need to have. You want to create new software, you write down all the business requirements, you go sit with the different people, you say, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want the system to do? What do you want the system to do? And they come up with this long list, million things. This is what we want. Okay? Now, what do you need? You go through that list again. Do you really need this? Do you need it now? Can you do it with it in a year? How have you done it? You haven't had this, so how have you done your work? Nah, it will be nice to have. Market nice to have. And then what you get to is what you call a minimal, minimum viable product, meaning this is the minimum we need to get the work done. It's not the fancy things, it's not the bells, it's not the whistles, because the bells and the whistles cost money. And I believe in, in the mission, we need to ask the same thing. What do we need? If you want to go on mission, what do you need? You need a passport. Funny how every time we go on mission, people need to apply for passports. How long does your passport last? Five years, ten years, I'm not sure. As a believer, you need two things. You need a Bible, and you need a valid passport. If you don't have one, get one. Amen. <laughs> this is a church on mission. This is a church going places. Amen. Um, I don't know if you know of Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM. He passed away this week. And um, he, at one stage, was the only known person in the world who went to every known country in the world. At that stage, it was more than 100 different countries that he visited. Why? Because as Jesus said, go into the ends of the world and take the gospel there. So we can think, oh, that's nice, or that's unnecessary, or that's luxurious. No, that's the mission. Go into every place on the earth, that's the outermost, and everywhere in between, and take the gospel there. So it's not difficult. Amen? What is important? Matthew 23, verse 3 says, Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works. Jesus speaking about the Pharisees. For they say and do not do. What is important? If you say or if you do. Live what you preach, now. Do what you say. We can speak a lot. A lot of people get excited every Sunday. Sing great worship songs. Kumbaya, hallelujah, whatever you want to call it. Clap your hands. Get stirred up. Have tears. Monday morning comes, no one shares the gospel. What is important? To the Pharisees, it was important what people think. To Jesus, it was important that people get saved. Not what people think, but the people were important. Listen to verse 4. It says, For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So what he's talking about is religion. And he's saying religion is telling people to do a lot, but not helping them to get it done. Anyone experienced that before? You need to live like this, and do like this, and tithe like this, and give like this. and like It's important to give, but not to get you saved. You don't give... To get saved, you give because you are saved. Amen? You don't give to get. Sorry. You give because you have. 
Jesus said, what I have, I give unto you. Not what I don't have. Oh no, that wasn't Jesus. That was the church of Acts. Peter and John, walking unto the temple to go and what? Pray. How much are you praying? See, I spend one week away and I've got lots of time to think. How much are you praying? Praying is important. If you don't know how to pray, Shane has a brilliant series, pretty new on SoundCloud, on our website, about prayer. I think it's 12 messages. It will change the way you pray. It will, make sure, it, it will help you to see how important it is to pray. They bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's soldiers, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. That's not the way of Jesus. Amen? That's the way of the world. Hebrews 12 verse 1, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And we want to jump to verse 3, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But you know what? When you're heavily burdened, you can't look up. Because you're always hunched over. You're always carrying things. You're busy with the things of the world. You're busy with, with whatever is occupying you. But you need to let go of that first before you can look up and look unto Jesus. I heard a shocking story yesterday of uh, someone at the, their bachelor's, which was like probably a few decades ago, that, um, you know, the ball and chain principle. And um, this, uh, this person was the bachelor, and someone tied his leg, I think, to a chain and then put a billard of steel on the end of it and threw him in the deep end of his swimming pool. And then and, and, and left him there. <laughs> So he almost didn't make his wedding. He almost joined the wedding feast of the Lamb, I mean, in heaven, because he couldn't get out. Luckily, one person realized what was happening and like, got into the pool and helped him. We, we think it's shocking, but that's what we do when we don't lay down the weight. When we tie ourselves to the things of the world. Oh, I can't go on mission. Why not? No, I don't have leave. Why not? No, because I went to Mauritius in April. You can do missions in, 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 in Mauritius. I know, I know people who have. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad to go to Mauritius, amen? I don't know, I haven't been there. But that's part of the uttermost parts of the world, amen? So you can, uh, you, can, you can tick that box. What I'm saying is, what is important? Is it important for you to live a life of missions? Then you're going to have a passport, you're going to have some leave, or you're going to take unpaid. Why? Because that's the life of faith. What do you need to go on mission? A passport. What do you need to go on mission? A flight ticket, maybe. Not, not, not much more. Like, you need to go. Jesus said, don't carry anything with to his disciples when he sent them out. Another time he says, take things with. We, don't, we, we need to listen, amen? We need to lay aside every weight. Interesting how it doesn't say some of the weight. Every weight. Everything that keeps you down, keeps you back, holds you under the water. Every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. It speaks of the bulk, the mass, the, um, the burdensome things of this world. That which makes you bending by the load of mass. thing is, how do you lay down, like, if you think you carry two heavy suitcases, what do people do? They walk like this. And then you lay them down, and then you do this. Looking unto Jesus, amen. The author and finisher of 
faith. But we want to look unto Jesus with the weights. Oh, Jesus is not coming through. Jesus is not coming through. I don't know what this grace thing is about. Where's Jesus? Well, Jesus, well, I'm right here. Look up. Look up. Look into my eyes. Look into who I am. Look into who I've called you to be. Look into the mirror. Amen? So that we can run with patience the race that is set before us. Thinking about it this morning, isn't it important that we have a lot of people in church? It's not important. It would be nice. What's more important is that those of you who come are sincere. Those of you who come are serious to receive, to be equipped, to go out. Because it's not about how many people we reach on a Sunday. It's about how many people we reach for eternity. What is important? From this church, we've sent out the best. I mean, we even sent out the founder. <laughs> we sent out the best. We sent out Carl Alicia. We sent out Shane and Marna. We sent out Jerusalem and Jackie. We've sent out Sumi. We've sent out Julius. You can name the names. So, if we were to have one measure of success, and that is how many people we fit in on a Sunday, then you might think, well, they're not so successful. But you don't know how many people are going to be in eternity because of the equipping that you're receiving currently. The equipping that you're receiving in ministry school. The stirring up and equipping that people are receiving in boot camp currently. It's changing not just them, it's changing eternity. What is important? What we do in this life doesn't necessarily echo in eternity. Even though Gladiator said that. Because if you do nothing for eternity, then it's going to be a silent echo for all of eternity. But if you do something of eternal purpose in this life, then yes, I agree, then there will be an echo. And let that echo not be my name, but His. Amen. Let it not be praise unto Him, but let it be hallelujah. I saw a picture this week of um, the Champions League soccer. And um, I think it was Newcastle, who's now newly funded by the Saudis. And um, all of a sudden, competitive. So if you're a Newcastle fan, I'm sorry. But you saw these massive banners. And they call it the Ultras. Anyone heard of the Ultras? These are the... They're, not, they're almost worse than the hooligans. They are the ones who, like, they live and breathe their soccer club. Like, if their soccer club loses, then their wife probably get hit. And, like, it's, it's really, it's, it's what they live for. Like, I wish it was a joke, Arnold, but it isn't. <laughs> and I was seeing these banners, and it's creating such an atmosphere. And as the Holy Spirit just said to me, most of what we see in this life is just a fake copy of a spiritual and eternal reality. Because Jesus said that, or the Bible says that He is a banner over us of victory. So I can see this picture in heaven where we are just waving flags. Now, I'm not a flag dancer. I have never been. But I think if there's a banner, then like there can be a flag. But it, let it be unto Him. Not unto my favorite football team. Amen? Because that just distracts, that steals, that is not important. Because what, next year there's going to be another match. Next weekend, no, twice a week I think now. Maybe three times a week there's a match. Next year there's going to be another Champions League. And people live for all of this, like you think about Olympians. Olympians live and like from a young age, like give up so much to just win that gold medal. And some of them do it like at the age of 18 or 21. And then what? Then they get to this very question, what is important? 
And a lot of them don't have the answer, so they get depressed. There's this famous lady from the United States. She won so many gold medals in gymnastics at a very young age. The next Olympics, she couldn't even compete because of mental health issues. Why does it help if you win the whole world but lose your soul? What is important? Your soul health is important because 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper. Above all things. So God wishes that you would prosper. But He says, even as or according to the prosperity of your soul. God cannot make your soul prosper. There's some things God cannot do. That's usually when people resign from church when I say that. Well, Psalm 78 says they limited the Holy One of Israel. So, if God cannot take care of your soul, who can? You can. He's given you everything for life and for godliness. He's given you every blessing, according to Ephesians 1 verse 3. He's told you this is the way, walk in it. He said, life and death are put in front of you, choose life. But you cannot do more than that. You can. You decide. You say yes, Lord, or not. You are either focused or distracted. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what? What that really says is that Jesus didn't value his life here on earth. But he lived with an eternal perspective. Because they sang Hosanna one day and they said crucify him the next. If you live by people's praises, you'll die by their criticism. You are not here to make people happy. Neither am I. My job is not to make you happy. My job is to equip you. To feed you, to guide you, to care for you, to be there for you, yes. But according to His purpose, according to His direction, according to His leading, that's when we go places. Hebrews 1, or 12, 1 in the Good New, uh, God's Word translation says, Since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down. I like that. What is slowing you down? I'm not asking, um, let's go and pick a hundred meters and let's see who's the fastest and they can tell us what's not slowing them down. No, this is talking about your soul. This is talking about your life. This is talking about what is slowing you down on the mission. What is keeping you back? What is distracting you? It says, we must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. Never give up. Like, it should not even cross your mind that we're going to give up. If you are married, never give up. <laughs> if you are parenting, never give up. If you're holding on to the Lord, never give up. If you're coming to church, never give up. If you're reading the Word, never give up. If you're praying in the Spirit, never give up. If you're loving on people, never give up. Because love never Gives up. Amen? Love never gives up. Love wins. Love is a safe place of shelter. Amen? So that's what the church should be. Not fancy, but safe. 
And I'm not talking safe in the natural. There's many people meeting in Iran and China today who's very unsafe. But amongst them, in community, in the acceptance of the believers, of the love of God, there's a safety there that supersedes the fears and the dangers of this world. That's who we are as a community. That is the light of the world. Amen? And you can see that there's a play of words. If we want to live light, meaning burdenless, it means that we can live light, meaning shining brightly. Because Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth. He said that we are the light of the world. Now the Afrikaans song that I grew up with said, Laat jou So the picture that that creates is Eskom. <laughs> because we have the light, but we need to switch it on. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you are shining brightly. He, came, he, he, he confirms that. Now, I don't think Jesus had bullets. You know, bullets like we do bullet points. But if Jesus had bullet points, he would say, you are the salt of the earth. That's the main bullet. And then he would give a description, a sub-bullet. Say, if it loses its saltiness, wherewith will it be salted? The next main bullet would be, you are the light of the earth. Okay, that's a statement. It's not an invitation. Think about that. Then he says, sub-bullet. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. So stop hiding or stop being upset that you are not able to hide, Christian. <laughs> oh, I don't like people to look at me. Shame. How are you going to preach? How are you going to share if they don't... Well, you can go to the blind. They will listen. They will not look until you heal them. Amen. Next sub-bullet. You are the light of the earth. Sub-bullet. You cannot... There's no hiding place. That's what he says. So what do we do? Next sub-bullet. Neither does a man light a candle and put a basket over it. So what we do, and this is profound. I don't know what that's doing, but don't worry. That's not important. <laughs> what I have to say is important. What we do is we are shining brightly, but then we are putting baskets over ourselves, which is the weight, the worries, the focus, our career, success, finances, family, holidays, whatever you want to fill in the blank with. We are hiding the light because we don't want to stand out. Now, that's what Jesus said. Now, the writer of Hebrews says, lay aside, take off the basket, the bucket, every weight, so that you can run. Now, Jordan, our almost three-year-old, he loves to put a basket over his head. And then he would walk around, and it's very funny, and like, he's, he's, it's dangerous. You know how many Christians live like that? Putting a bucket over their head? You know the ostrich puts its head in the ground. And we've grown up thinking that that is just stupid. Because how can you just hide from your troubles? And some people live like that. Like the, I don't, I don't want to... It's month in to like... <laughs> well, month in comes whether your head's in a bucket or not. But what it actually does, it, it makes itself little. Like it puts its head in the ground so it's not as visible. So it's a protecting mechanism. And that's really what we do as well. We don't want to be visible Christians. 
I'll be a Christian on Sunday. Amen. Those people know me. They understand me. They love me. They sing louder than I do. Like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Amen. But Monday morning, man, when I wake up and I go to, job, to my job, I am undercover. There's a movie, what? Undercover Brother. A lot of Christians wear that, bar, that badge, don't they? Yes, brother. Amen. But not at work, no? Like, what's it? The finances, politics, and religion we don't talk about. I agree, but let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about love. Let's talk about the gospel. Let's talk about acceptance. Why? Because that's where purpose is. Amen? Is a candle meant to shine under a bucket? It's not meant to shine under a bucket. It's wasteful. It's still burning. It's just not visible. So, Gideon goes and he thinks it's important to have what? A big army. He does. And what I said earlier now is actually confirmed. God says, no, it's not important that you have a big army. What is important is that I go with you. Moses understood that. He said, Lord, I'm not going anywhere except you go with me. Well, new creation, born again Christian, you don't have that excuse. Because he's in you. (laughs) So you can't have the excuse of Gideon, of Moses. That's why you don't have a wet fleece, dry fleece mentality. Or I don't even believe God answers it. Because he said go. I mean, Jordan is three years old. He knows green means go. But so many Christians don't read the Bible like that. No, I'm not going to pray if I'm going to go on this mission. You can pray, but I can tell you what God says. I'm going to pray if I go to church on Sunday. Well, you can pray, but I can answer that for you. Amen? It's important that we realize what is important. It's important that we listen. So Gideon thinks he needs a big army. God says you don't. Why? You need me. So what he does is there's this whole filtering out process, and there's a lot of symbolism in that, but at the end of it, they take what? 300 men, I think it's a ram's horn, and take a candle, and they put a clay jar over it. This is the gospel coming. I hope you're ready. We don't need a big army. We need the light out from under the bucket. We don't need to be silent. We need to be proclaiming the gospel like a ram's horn blowing it into the world. I loved when Enrico said on Instagram this week when um, he was recording Shane and Etienne, said getting the word out there. That's so important. That's the ram's horn. Getting the word out. Whoever will listen. <laughs> like, let them listen. Let's make it possible. Let's make it Within their reach. That's what unreached people groups are. Like there is no one in their vicinity that's going to tell them about Jesus. There's no one in their vicinity that's going to tell them about Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? So we need to go and get into their space, into their face, and tell them the greatest news that ever been there. The news that has changed me and you. But we want to put it under a bucket. And then we're like, oh, yeah, yes, see. Is it because of darkness? Or is it because of the bucket? What overcomes the darkness? Light. So what happens is, there's all these, I think it's Amalekites, 
thousands and thousands of them, 300 men, is willing to shatter the clay jar, lay down the flesh, to let the light shine brightly that was already shining inside of them, and to say, it's not about me, but it's about Him. It's not about the clay, it's about the lamp. It's not about lighting the candle, it's about showing the world the candle that's been lit. And it's about proclaiming the good news of Jesus as far and as wide as we can. Because what is important? Not how many we are, but what we share. Not how many we are, but whether we have a bucket over our heads. Because Latyulichiskein means lay down every weight. It doesn't mean pray in the Spirit and stir up the gift and fan into flame and jump higher and sing hallelujah. No, that is great, but guess what? You're already shining. And that's the difference. We have a mindset, and I'll say we, like me, or we've had, I've had a mindset where we, need to, where we think we need to almost like churn up this light and we need to add wood to the fire and we need to fan into flame because the world is a dark place. And then I'm tired, and then I go to work, and then the flame just... But the thing is, if you take the bucket off, and you lay it down at the feet of Jesus, then you're shining, man. You're shining on a Monday. (laughs) You're shining on a Tuesday. You go to life group just to polish the the oil jar or whatever. Like, no, 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 you you don't. (laughs) You take your light to life group. And when you put all the light together, there's a nice gathering of light. If you look at, um, in Pretoria, we used to do this. You go onto a hill and you look at the Stadselichis. If there's one light, it's not, it's, it's, it's not that fancy. It's not that special. It's, guys, it's not that romantic. Amen? <laughs> but if there's many lights, then it's romantic. Now, Jesus said that we are the light of the earth, or the light of the world actually. The word is cosmos, for world. It means you are the light of all creation. That's another mindset issue that we have. We think we are the answer for the, well, I was born for a time such as this. That's true. But when there's eternity, time dissipates. Think about it. Eternity is the opposite of time, or the inverse. We think eternity is going to last forever, but eternity is where there is no time, because time is not of essence, because it's never going to, you're never going to run out of it. It's a different mindset that we should live at. So I'm not running out of time, I'm just enjoying eternity. So whatever problems I have here, in a hundred years from now, it's going to dissipate, because I'm going to be then out of time. Like, there's no month end in eternity. There's no year end, because there's no time. So, you see how even our calendar is burdening us. Now, I can't go on mission until December. Who said? According to your word, let it be unto you. Amen? And what I'm trying to do is just help you to just take a fresh breath and see, hey, this is not so difficult. This is really about focus. This is about enjoying Not just who God is, because I think we're good with that, but enjoying who we are in Him. Waking up to the reality of Christianity. Knowing that there's nothing really that's going to fulfill me unless it is about the Father and His business. And I'm not saying resign your job. 
I'm saying go to your business and be about the Father's business. Be excellent. Be the best so that you will bring influence. Be calm because that brings influence. When everyone is worried about the petrol price, which I guess what, in uh, up north where we were last week, it was now almost 28 rand a liter of diesel. For a moment I wanted to worry. And then I was like, well, this is not my problem. This is God's problem. If he says go, he's not asking you what the diesel price is. He's saying go. Amen? What are the weights that's slowing us down? Our doctrine. When we confuse doctrine, we're adding weight to the message. If you think it wasn't heavy enough, then fasten your seatbelt. When we add to the doctrine of Christ, we are adding weights that's making it difficult to take what we have into the world. Think about it. If I travel alone, I travel with a carry-on, if I can. Why? Because it doesn't slow me down. I'm not going on a mission trip to stand and wait for my suitcase, even though you might have a great opportunity to minister to someone, so don't just rush past it. I'm going on mission to minister. I'm going on mission to help a church. I'm going on on mission to speak at a conference or do an event, whatever. But when I travel with family... I wish I brought the photos. Like, the suitcases were stacked. And the one problem with Lanceria Airport, I love Lanceria Airport. It's quick and it's, it's... But their trolleys are puny. Like, really. So you come to Cape Town City, or Cape Town Airport, and you load that trolley, man. Lacquer. Even the car seat, like, fits like... Onderste boer. It fits. You put it in to check in, you get on the plane, you fly, like Jordan says, up and down and land, you get out of the plane, and you go to wait for your suitcase, and you pass the trolleys, and it is like, maybe that's the mission airport, amen, (laughs) it will help you to travel light, problem is you forget, the plan is like the more stuff we have in our message, the more we need to try and put this all together and carry it and bring it and like hold it together and explain this to people. Where Paul says, I am so afraid that you are being cheated, he says really. Like, the, like Eve was cheated or beguiled by the snake by being moved away from the simplicity that is Christ Jesus. So when the word says, lay aside the weights, I believe what he's inviting us into is everything that is not Jesus. Because if we add stuff that is not Jesus, it is not the simplicity of Christ, and it means it is weights that don't just bear us down, but now we go to an unreached people group, and we need to explain all of this 2,000 years of tradition and creeds, and statements, and what do we believe, where Jesus said, take the gospel, tell them about the cross, tell them that I died, that I rose again, and that I'm alive forevermore, tell them that their sins are forgiven, tell them that the Spirit lives within them, Romans says, without the Spirit of Christ, they are none of His, it says the kingdom belongs to children, 
My children didn't carry their suitcases. Have we added to the message? Have we made it more burdensome? Like the Pharisees. Have we, we I'm saying global Christianity, have we told people to observe things that we can't? Have we added to a message things that God never said? Have we added to the message maybe things that's been fulfilled? Have we tagged along things we don't want to let go of because we see it in the Old Testament? Or even in the Gospels? Or even, dare we say, in the book of Acts? Let's take a safe example. Circumcision. Guys thinks that's the least safe option you could have chosen, but that's a different way of thinking. The first, I mean, Jesus was circumcised. So people would say, like, that's a good idea. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Who's ever heard that argument? No one. I've heard it. Leon's heard it. Boron's heard it. Okay, so we'll put up a cross next week. <laughs> it's good enough for Jesus. I mean... I can give you some verses that says you've been crucified with him, so let's make it real. <laughs> we can't... We need the word to interpret the word. So, they have this whole thing about circumcision. I mean, that is before the law. Abraham was circumcised. It's a sign of the covenant. We come to Acts 15. It's called the Jerusalem Council. And we have all the big boys, the pillars, the disciples, Paul, everyone there. And they have this massive debate, and it says that it was heated. They had a heated debate of whether Christians should be circumcised. So all the guys sat like this in the... Only the ones who weren't circumcised yet, obviously. (laughs) This is not a men's camp, I must remember. They come to a conclusion... And they say, you don't have to be circumcised. You've got homework if you don't believe me. But that's the conclusion. Why? Because circumcision was a foreshadow of a promise that was to come, which is the seed of Abraham, which is Christ, Galatians tells us. Has the seed of Abraham been, has that promise been fulfilled? Has Christ come, been born, died? Resurrected, ascended, poured out His Spirit. So, the sign of circumcision has served its purpose. Go read Acts 15. Some of you are not convinced. The sign of circumcision has been fulfilled. What's interesting is what, what we read in the Bible is we need to read what we read, but we need also read what was not written. What was not said. Because they say, you don't need to be circumcised, but these things are important. And they name, I think, three things. Unfortunately, I don't have the reference now, and for time's sake, I don't want to look it up. You can do it. He says that we don't eat food offered to idols, that we look after the poor, and Paul says, like I already wanted to do, and that we, there's one more thing, someone can remember. He says, that's what's important. Many things that, they, that we do currently, worldwide, 
It's not written there. Later on, I think it's Romans 14, Paul writes and he says, listen, like, I've thought about this a bit more. Like food offered to idols, you can eat it. He says you can. He says unless it's going to offend your brother. But between you and God, food offered to idols is nothing because the idol is dead. So you can see there's a progression in the Bible. And the progression is... That's the problem with evolution. Evolution adds complexity. We, as we read the Bible, we actually reduce complexity because we come to the simplicity of Christ. The more you mature as a believer, the more simple your message will become. The wisdom of the world says, add complexity. Understand the third heaven. Understand what this means, or that means, or the different baptisms, or the different this, or like, it adds complexity. Like, if you want a, a PhD, what do you need? You need a master's. Okay, so, if you need a master's, what do you need? If you want to do your master's, you need a, a bachelor's. So, you're not learning the same things in your master's that you learned in your bachelor's, you're adding. I mean, that's the nature of education, isn't it? So now you have your, your master's, like some of you do, and you want your PhD. So now you need to what? You need to add. Now before you know it, you're unemployable in some cases. Why? Because you're overqualified. How many ministers, missionaries, believers, have overqualified themselves in complexities that has beguiled them and stolen from not just them, but the world, the simplicity of Christ. Because we want to have the bulkies. I don't know what you think about the school system, but I can keep you busy. Because I was the Christmas tree. <laughs> I was the Christmas tree. I had all the top tina, man. If I lost one, I bought one or I stole one. Like, I had all the irreclear and I was looking like a Christmas tree. I was a white, no, gold, plastered grave. I was adding, and you know what? I must have been. But I've sitting, is that a word? Off putting to so many. So many people who went to school with me. Because I was self-righteous. And I was always performing and adding. And I was, I was not about the simplicity of Christ. And I carried that. And you know it was a heavy burden. I was head boy. I was top ten. I was all the things. And I went into my first year of varsity. And they called me Wifsian. And it is as if my soul said, no more. You can't, I couldn't carry that anymore. And that really was the, the start of the turning point to when I got saved. Because it's not about what I can amass in this world. Because guess what? Down the street, there's another school with another head boy who maybe has two more bulkies than I did. 
there's this movie called Boss Baby. It's an animated movie, so I can talk about it. It's safe. So as a minister, never mention the movie because there's always this one scene that you've forgotten about. <laughs> Guys, I'm equipping you. So if you minister, don't mention movies. So they have this, this um, it's a metaphor, basically, of this baby who's the boss. Boss baby. And he's just crying and screaming and yelling, and everyone needs to like, just go according to what he wants, like a baby does. And what's amazing is, um, you don't need to watch the whole movie, you can just watch the intro, it's really good, if you've ever been in corporate. And um, they just start to zoom out. And guess what, there's another corner with another baby who screams at this baby. <laughs> and then they zoom out some more, and there's another baby who's now screaming at this baby, who's screaming at this baby to get what they've done. And before you know it, everyone's in a corner, and everyone's immature. So what is important in this life? It's not what we get out of it. It's what we give into it. But before you can really run this race, and I believe really this is ministered to you this morning, like God is cutting away so much, even in just venue. Like we've been like, like really like how can we make it better and this and I really like I said it before God said can you now stop and can you enjoy it please and Jock's wearing fist pluckies come on huh <laughs> he's enjoying it amen the kids are enjoying it they're bringing their stootskrapers and their buckies and like they're enjoying it because what is important it's not where we meet it's that we meet what is important, I believe really that this morning God is inviting you. I'm saying it inviting because He's not going to take it from you. He's inviting you to lay down stuff. Worries. Complicated understandings of the Word even. Stuff that you can't figure out. I want to name things because... I want the Holy Spirit to do the work. But I believe doctrinally even, God is inviting you to come back to the simplicity of Christ so that you can be an effective minister who goes with a carry-on into all the world and you don't bring your doctorate. Someone asked me the other day when I did a wedding, someone I didn't know and then I really as we discussed it, I realized, we realized that he knew my grandfather who was in Germany for many years. So you always need to be, behave, no? because there's always someone who knows something or someone. And he asked me, where did I study? And I was like wondering, like, as a pastor, you don't always answer first. Like, you've learned that. So what do you mean? He said, no, you heard that I, did I finish engineering or didn't I? And when did I do my um, theology degree? And like, I was like, oh, this is where we're going. I said, no, I studied engineering um, and I did Bible school. He said, but where did you do Bible school? I said, no, Natasha and I, my wife, we did it at Grace Life, our church, and we did it for two years part-time while I was working. And he says, but, but is it part of the theological faculty? I'm like, no. He says, but can you beroep word? If you don't know what that means, don't worry. But um, you know what happened? I shared on the love of God in the meeting message. He was so touched 
by the message that he actually wanted me for his church. So he had to make sure or find out whether I was good enough, qualified, and to his disappointment, I wasn't. I told God, I'll do seven years if you need to. He says, no, I need you on the mission field. I don't need you in the building. I'm not blowing my own horn. I shared a simple message on 1 Corinthians 13 that it's not about our love, but His love for us. If I do your wedding, I'll work it in. I always do. Because I've sat in too many wedding messages where the opposite is preached from the same verse that says that you need to love with an impossible love. You need to give what you don't have. And I've literally sat and I always watch the couple who stands in front. And as this minister preaches, and he talks about the love that forgives and never offends and never keeps record of wrong, you can literally see this. As the burden of performance of the impossible task of loving this human being weighs them down. And what do you need to get out of that? A toast. Because on the dance floor, they're like this again. We need to lay aside the weights. The expectation, even of people, of family. Say you studied four years. Say you studied nine years to get a degree. Are you willing to lay it down? Say you have 20 years of experience in your career path. Is that a weight that you're carrying? I'm privileged to have laid that down. And I promise you it's the freest that I've ever been. Not in eternity, in my soul. And interestingly enough, <laughs> I laid it down. I said, I'm done being an engineer. And two sentences later, I was an engineer again. But this time different. Because I'm not an engineer. I'm a son of God. Who sometimes, some days of the week, do some engineering work. And you know what? I do it good. Because I'm not employed to be a missionary. I'm employed to do good work. But that enables me to be a missionary. I'm a son of God with an engineering degree that does some engineering work, but that loves people because my father loved me first. So if we boil it all down, what is your identity? Who are you? Because at the essence, that is the most important question that you can answer. Who do you say that you are? We know what God says. Is your answer aligning with His? Or have you allowed the expectations, the pressures the cares to add weight to who God says you are.
I'm not against money. Like, let's make lots of it. Let's send many missionaries. We're sending a missionary to Nigeria now for two years. We're sending someone to an unnamed country close to China for two years. They need to be funded. They can't work necessarily. Or they're going to join a volunteer position. Why? Because there's people there who will never hear about Jesus if they don't go. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Not the one we choose, the one He chose. You don't need to, to plan the race. You don't need to decide which race you're going to run in. Let's not speak about staying in your lane because I'm not into that. The race has been set before you. Are you going to run with weights? <clears throat> when do you run with weights? When you train. See these people with these waist, weight bands. <clears throat> if you come on 5 o'clock in Peter Maritzburg and you're ready to run the comrades, and there's a person next to you with weights on, you're going to start praying for them. <laughs> Feel if they've got fever. Why? Because this is not training. This is the real thing. Guess what? There's not a training lab in life. This is the real thing. So let us lay aside the weights. And let us run as victors, as children, sons, daughters of God. Taking the bucket off. Letting our light shine brightly in this world. Amen? If you're with me, let's stand. Thank you, Father, <clears throat> for your love. Thank you for purpose. Thank you for promise. Thank you for invitation, Father. Thank you that you are good. That you are love. That you're not putting a heavy burden. You said, my weight is easy. My burden is light. Thank you, Father. We can shine brightly. That we are not called to be hidden, Father. Secret agents, but to be visible. A city. A gathering. A resting place. A place of shelter, a place of safety on a hill. We would even stand on that lampstand and proclaim your gospel. That we will blow the message of victory into this world. Listen to John 8. Once more Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Are you convinced this morning that you have the light of life? Are you convinced this morning that your lamp, your candle has been lit? Then we can go and shine brightly. You know, the sun doesn't go to sleep. It just shines in a different place. That's really what Jesus said. You will be like the stars. You will always shine. Not some days, not sometimes, not on mission. No, always. Thank you, Father, that it's not us. That it's you in us. Your word says, Whoever follows me will have a life filled with light and will never live in the dark. So I want to just give a moment for you just to respond in your heart to this message, to this invitation from God to live light.
to live like He purposed. We have a saying in our culture that says, live your best life. This is your best life. To live light. To live kingdom. To live forgiven. To live accepted. To live loved. This is your best life. The one you lay down and pick up. The light and the life of Christ. You know, Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. Thank you, Father, that you loved us first, that you fill our tank, that you light our lamp. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the oil that never runs out. In the temple, the the flame was never allowed to run out. Where God lives, the light shines. We are not children of darkness, we are children of light. Children means as is. In the image and likeness. You are in the image and likeness of light. I really just feel like the Holy Spirit is like trying to get someone here to not just understand it, but accept it. Like I can almost see him hammering, say, listen, take this, take this, take this. Like it's deep in your heart that you have an unfulfilled yearning for acceptance or performance or like maybe it comes from your parents. Like you've tried to impress them and your sibling has always been more impressive to them. Or in your eyes, that's what you think. I just feel God says, I'm as impressed with you as I am with Jesus. Take this. And you've got to, like, see this gray brick wall that you've built around you. Whether that's your irreclearer baiki or your pedigree or your achievements or certificates, I don't know what that is, your career. Like God says, I can only come close, I can only get in there, that place in your heart, if you let me. Word says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever says, come, then I will come in. I will never lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. You know, David went to Saul and he said, I'll fight the Philistine, Goliath. And Saul wanted to, uh, do, to put his armor on him. And he said, it's too heavy. I can never fight with this. What's interesting, he goes to the fight. He kills Goliath. He meets up with Jonathan, the son of the king. And the son of the king gives him his armor. And he takes it. And there's really a gospel message in there that Jesus came to give us something that fits. It's of the same royalty, but it's just something we can relate to. Someone like us. And then once we accept that, we grow into what the king wears. 
It's not different, it's just maturity. So even if I, what I share today is it's like you feel it's too heavy, it's too much, like, just take a little bit of it. Just apply it in one area. Like, there's maybe 25 areas in your life where you can apply this. Just start. Don't just say, but do. Don't just leave, but take something with you this morning. Something of eternal value. But what you leave here, leave something burdensome. Leave something that's been keeping you up at night, holding you back. Live light. Live free. Live as a son of God. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.